You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And in Film Club, they're singing in the rain in French in Jacques Demy's Umbrellas of Cherbourg. All coming up in Truth and Movies, the Little White Lies podcast. Hello there, movie truthers. It's Michael Leader here, back in the host chair, sitting across this week from Pamela Hutchinson. Hello. And Hannah Woodhead. Hello. Welcome. How are we all doing today? So welcome back. Oh, thank you, Hannah. Yeah, welcome back from your travels. Yes, yeah. I didn't get lost in Tokyo, although I want to go back. Oh, well, that's the problem. As soon as you come back, you're like, oh, oh I want to I be back there. Like, <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. It was very envious of your very well-documented trip. It looked like an absolute blast. Well, it's all in the rearview mirror now. And we have <laughs> films to talk about, and we've got the end of the year where all the films are happening, from Cats to Star Wars. Gosh. But before we do any of that, Hannah, do we have any Little White Lies business to talk about or announce? We do. We're having a little um, house book sale on Monday, uh, about 12 till 3, if anyone's in the area. We're based at Old Street. Uh, there will be a tweet about this, so don't feel like you have to <laughs> refer back to the podcast. But we, yeah, we're going to sort of, we're going to have like prints for sale and old issues and books and magazines and things. So yeah, come down, buy some Christmas presents. We'll give you a, a good price and it'd be nice to see some people. Mm. And then we're doing a special screening of uh, Josh and Benny Safdie's, I want to say first proper feature, uh, Daddy Long Legs, uh, which is Really beautiful film starring Ronald Bronstein, who is now their co-writer and editor. Um, that's on the 9th of January at the Prince Charles. And you and I, and possibly David, we haven't yet confirmed, okay. we're going to do a little kind of mini Truth and Movies afterwards. Mm-hmm. You can buy tickets now from the Prince Charles website. It'll be really fun. It's a good one to get you in the mood for Uncut Gems, which hits cinemas the next day. So yeah, come on down. It'd be nice to, again, see some people. Brilliant. <laughs> Plenty of things coming up then. But we should talk about this week's new releases. Up first, we have Shia LaBeouf in Honey Boy. <laughs> Honey Boy traces the life of child actor Otis Lort as he rises from early success to becoming a self-destructive Hollywood star. Based on LaBeouf's own life, Honey Boy weaves together two timelines as he comes to terms with his ex-rodeo clown father, played by LaBeouf, in a role inspired by his own dad. You have good instincts. I have good instincts? Yeah, I got rodeo clown instincts. Well, I could never make it in Hollywood. You could if you started when I did. How do you think it feels to have my son paying me 
How do you think that feels? You wouldn't be here if I didn't pay you. A little bit of Honey Boy. So Hannah, Shia LaBeouf has had quite a career, hasn't he? Going from Transformers to public art installation. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. And now he's making his own life into art. Yeah. How do we feel about this? Uh, well, I feel pretty great about it. Um, I mean, I grew up on Even Stevens. So for me, Shia LaBeouf's always been a kind of big presence in my life. I was a big fan of the, the Disney film Holes, if you, yeah. if you remember. Yeah, a classic. I've always kind of felt a bit sorry for him, you know. I think he went through a lot and very publicly so. And I don't agree with kind of everything he's ever done, but um, I do think the press were particularly kind of cruel to him. And, um, you know, he he kind of suffered, I think, in the way that, you know, a very rich white man can suffer, I guess. But, yeah, I was, so I was kind of interested to see this. I think when it was announced... That he was going to be playing his own father. That there was a lot of kind of like, uh, okay, like fine, I guess. Like a lot of you know <laughs> snobbery, maybe, because uh-huh. uh, everything he does, I think, because of all his performance art stuff, I think people just assume he's kind of doing a bit all the time. But I remember when he did a thing, uh, like an art installation in LA, I think, where he watched all of his own films and TV shows in a movie in a movie theater, and he invited the public to come down, and he live streamed the whole thing with just the camera like on his face. And there's this bit in it where he was watching Even Stevens, and he's like crying, and it's it's so like that for me is what this film is. It's him like reckoning with this really this like accelerated youth and processing a lot of things that I get the sense he didn't process when he should have done as a kid. So yeah, I was kind of blown away by this. I uh, saw it at Sundance, so it was stayed with me a long time now, you know, nearly a year in fact. And I, I really do think it is a, a, a very special movie and I'm really kind of grateful to him for sharing this story with us. It sounds like it could be a very indulgent project. Oh, big time. Uh, yeah. But is that a good or a bad thing in this case? I think... Recently, like when I've been talking to a lot of filmmakers, they've said the same thing, which I guess I'd never really thought about. But they said the more specific you make something, the more universal it is, which mm. I, it sounds like it doesn't like, you're like uh, how does that make sense? But in this case, I think like it is so, so specific to his childhood and what he went through. Like most of us don't have the experience of being like a, a, child, a childhood star, but and it is it is indulgent you know it's talking very specifically to this thing that he went through but at the same time i think there are a lot of people out there who can relate to having a difficult parental relationship or kind of growing up too fast or just struggling to deal with their emotions i think there's such a kind of um conversation at the moment around the way that men process their emotions and their anger and how Men in particular should feel like they're more able to communicate these things without it impacting on how uh, people see them. Mm. And this film, to me, feels like a very kind of honest, laying it all on the table, this is this is how it is, uh, moment for him, which I think isn't something that Shire has necessarily been able to articulate in a mm. productive way so far. He's always been very good at acting out, but not in a kind of, not corralling that energy into something that I think really gives people a sense of where he's coming from. And I think this film does kind of give you a really nice insight into his life and his psyche and how this experience changes you. I mean, mm. we all know about the kind of the curse of the child star, but I think there hasn't really been a lot of great movies and art about that. Because uh, it is like a very niche thing, you know. There aren't mm. there aren't a lot of um, child stars who go on to kind of 
mainstream success when they're older. So it's nice to see one of them kind of articulating this experience in such a kind of eloquent and a really like beautiful way. I think the pairing of Shia and Alma is really like it clearly just they understand each other so mm-hmm. much. And I think he came to her with this for something else. For the, it was right. another project entirely. And then in the end, he said, you know, I, I want to tell this story, but only if you're going to kind of help me. And she said, well, I'll help you, but you've got to play your father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it does. It sounds like a therapy exercise that's kind yeah. of gone gone awry. <laughs> I want really you to pretend to be your father, but because you talk about how this project is an opportunity for him to corral all this energy that he's always had on screen, but on screen in this film, he's so compelling. It makes me look at him completely differently as he's playing this older character, this father figure that is clearly <laughs> so drawn out of his life, but appears so fully formed on the screen. Pamela. What's your history with Shire? And does this film make you look at him any differently, appreciate him differently? I mean, definitely makes me appreciate him differently. I, I remember when Halls came out, I remember we all thought, what a wonderful child star. You know, he had a real <laughs> presence. I remember as a young film journalist having to learn to spell his name, you know, when you realise he was thinking it's around. alphabetical through the vowels. Yeah, mm-hmm. which helps, you know, and that's very, very nice. I oh, mean, wow, not, that's, yeah, I never thought of that. I mean, not entirely. Oh, the surname is, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's sheer as well. I mean, obviously I have a very low bar for my own spelling standards. Um, I felt that I have no love for the Transformers franchise, but it did become this weird whipping boy for everything that was bad about action cinema. And so I thought, you know, what a terrible choice he'd made. And I thought, you know, this must be really uh, really distressing for him. I didn't know about his childhood. Mm. Why would I? Although there is, as Hannah sort of suggested, we kind of assume that child stars have a bad childhood. (laughs) I thought this film was brilliant. I had low expectations. I didn't know what I was going to get from it. Um, It is indulgent. Art is indulgent. Making art about yourself is indulgent. But it's actually, he's taken his pain, his childhood pain, his life of pain, and he's made it into something that is 95 minutes long and very short and succinct and actually quite restrained. The opening montage of him as an action star Mm -hmm. and him behaving badly off set is one of the the neatest sort of summations of how strange it is to be a movie actor I've seen on screen. And I particularly like the fact that as the credits went up, I was slightly worried I was in the wrong cinema and I was about to watch a Transformers film because the sound (laughs) is so good. Mm. A wonderfully restrained performance as his own father. I mean, he is a monster, but... I understand now the benefit of these retrospective ratings we do on this show because I was tensed all the way through for the absolutely horrific moment, for something Mm. abysmal to happen. And there are terrible things that happen in this film, but it's not about showboating human cruelty. It's about how he processes that, and that, to me was something that's quite valuable, yeah. I think that probably speaks to the, the provenance of the script as being part of this rehab therapy that Shia LaBeouf might have gone through. I don't know how Yeah, he said was. he wrote it as part of his rehabilitation. Yeah. When he, so this was... As you see in the film. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's often something that really is irritating, watching the film be written in the film. <laughs> yes, and a lot of films recently, I think, have done that as well. There's mm. a couple coming up that have done that. But I think it... It works here. There's a sense of kind of um, coming full circle in within the film and within, I guess, Shire, like, himself making this film. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all very meta. Um, but I will say as always, I think the, the casting of Shire is, is amazing and I think it's very kind of... Given the amount of pain that clearly he must have gone through to, like, write this down, I think it's a pretty 
brilliant performance. Mm-hmm. But also Lucas Hedges and Noah Jupe, I think, are, are so good playing the shyer part, I guess, um, at different ages. I think they both they both bring such different things mm-hmm. to it as well. Like I think Lucas doesn't in all the other films Lucas Hedges has made so far. Oh, he's or, always in rehab. He's, he's constantly in therapy. <laughs> he's constantly in therapy. Poor guy. But he's always like he always tends to be kind of like a bit of a like soft boy, you know. Mm. He's just kind of like poor me, you know. And I think you see a lot more of, of his kind of like anger in this, which was kind of fun to see. I think the real standout for me is Noah Dupe. Mm-hmm. Like that, he was twelve when he made this film. Just yeah. crazy to be yeah. to be that good at twelve years old. He's... Had he done anything before this? So yeah. was this so really his first feature? Right. And um, Quiet Place. And a Quiet Place. Wonder. Right. Of course. Yeah. He's been in a lot yes. of things. He's a little shyer in the making. Yeah. 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 And he's very good as we've seen in those films with silence. And the silent comedy here is just sublime and so moving. I mean, I know it's what I would pick (laughs) out, but I was floored by it. I really thought it was quite delicately done. This is quite a nuanced tears of a clown kind of film I must say also I've, I'm getting over a cold I'm not just broken by emotion although <laughs> this podcast is doing its best to break me with emotion <laughs> yeah I I, um, I spoke to him for a profile chatting for Dazed and he's just like the most kind of like head screwed on child I've ever met mm. I guess you have to be when you know when you're a a kid working in Hollywood nowadays I think there's a lot more kind of rules and regulations Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you do get this sense as well watching Honey Boy about like exportation and how little in the past I don't know what it's like now obviously but how little in the past studios really looked after the children who they were benefiting from and making all this money off and there's this really heartbreaking scene in the film where Otis is on the phone to his mother uh, who has moved away because she couldn't deal with it (laughs) and he's having to kind of relay messages between his mother and his father and it's just oh god it's just it's just heartbreaking like this this kid is one of the you know he's a huge star and this is his like home life this is his reality this is what he goes home to I mean, it hit hard for me anyway. As a, as, a, as a child of divorce with a terrible father, I was, you know, it was kind of like, Hannah's going to be in on this one. But I really do think the execution is so... It, it's so easy with this sort of thing to fall into kind of like mawkishness. Mm. But like Pamela said, it's very succinct. It's very like... Beautifully photographed know. as well. This oh, yeah. is not yeah, just oh, a God. film about talking about feelings about performances. It's a genuinely gorgeous film. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. Natasha Breyer, I think, yeah. who did the cinematography, who is just like, yeah, she's... She worked on uh, The Neon Demon and Gloria Bell and The Rover. So she's really, right. you know, a rising star of kind of the cinematography world. Very different films. It looks, looks really so different. Really different, and yeah. You wouldn't expect... It makes sense now having seen Honey Boy but a film about uh, a child actor and his relationship with his father is, is very different from the neon demon <laughs> it's Chat, well you know young people kind of lost in the the glow of uh, Hollywood I guess no eyeballs are eaten in this film no no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh god I completely forgot about that scene until just now like shut it out of my head it's a very bad film <laughs> uh, Hannah what scores would you give this film so in anticipation enjoyment in retrospect so uh, it was definitely a four in anticipation it was one of the kind of banner titles at Sundance every Everyone was hyped to see it. Then a four in enjoyment. I did definitely, I think it's one of those situations where it just has the perfect kind of everything. It's 95 minutes, perfect runtime for this sort of film. It has these really wonderful performances, brilliant cinematography, great script. I think, I don't know why I'm not giving it a five. I don't know. (laughs) 
Maybe I should be giving it a five. So it's a four size five in enjoyment. And then uh, in retrospect to a four, I hope that Shire goes on to write more films. I think he, I think he's a very talented writer. And I hope that uh, Noah Jupe goes on to make some more great films. I think he's, he's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Pamela? So, I mean, it, it's hard to say you're not looking forward to something, but I went in with zero expectations, so <laughs> to anticipation. You know, um, this is the kind of thing that can go wrong. Um, as I say, there's a certain amount of pain when you're watching the film, so let's take it down to a three in the moment. <laughs> and in retrospect, a solid four. It's a beautiful film. I highly recommend people go and see it. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm, I'm probably more on the Hannah side than, than your side, Pamela, but mm. I heard the buzz coming out of Sundance, but still had a little bit of trepidation going into this, so maybe it's more <laughs> of a three, four, four. Although I will say... Lucas Hedges was so good in Manchester by the Sea and this is the year where he was in Boy Erased, mid-90s and this and I worry that he's losing ground to the Chalamets of the world and I hope he manages to come back and have a real Mm. lead role. I mean, I think he's a better actor than Chalamet. He so is. But like, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I feel like he, he... Well, Waves is coming out in January. Right. And I think he does play quite a different character in Waves. So we'll see what you guys make of that. Because no one should see Ben is back. No oh God, God, Ben is back! <laughs> Completely forgot about Ben is back. You can't forget. Can't forget. <laughs> or forgive. It sounds like we'll check in with Lucas Hedges again early next year. <laughs> but that's it now for Honey Boy. Up next, we're off to China for So Long My Son. This epic from Wang Zhaoshai explores the impact of China's one-child policy. Spanning the 1980s to the present, but shifting back and forth as you go, Wang details the changing fortunes of a family and those around them, and how government policy has affected their lives. Okay, Pamela, we'll get the joke out of the way first. So long, my son. How long, my son? This is three hours long, not quite Irishman length, but still a good night at the flicks. A very good night at the flicks. Um, very long, my son. Very good, my son. I really I was spellbound by this. I thought this was a particularly exceptional film. It's got this wonderful thing about being a melodrama, first and foremost. So we're constantly in that if-only mode. We're constantly wondering what it is that we don't know or what could have happened to make everything better. It's easy to talk about it in terms of the one-child policy, but I don't want to come across as too ignorant. It really is an intimate family saga about relationships, about loss and about grief and the strange things that we do, the way we can betray each other. The way that it's photographed, I mean, I was hooked pretty much from the beginning. We see a tragedy in the distance and we've seen everything else in such vivid close-up. So we know that there's something that we're going to find out about this tragedy later that is going to explode what we see. And we just follow these two couples, really, and their family for three exquisite hours of pain. Um, it's pain uh, in that uh, there's terrible things that happen. When I say tragedy, uh, a young boy is killed and later we see a young boy uh, running away from his parents as well. So that's pretty much a two-for-one in brutality. There's more to come, obviously, lots of loss, but it's also difficult to follow in terms of the fact that there's a very complex time structure here. So really what you're following is this thread of emotion, the thread of melodrama mm. through the entire film. If people are put off by the length... 
I think that that would be a mistake. I mean, it's only really an hour longer than, a, or less than an hour longer than a lot of films that we go and see that are much less exciting. And uh, there's so much here that keeps giving to you. The performances are particularly strong, despite the ageing and de-ageing mm. that goes on with makeup. And there's a certain beauty to it. The best way to express the sort of mode of the film is to say that there's one recurring song that comes back and back and back. It's got Chinese lyrics, but you'll know it. It's Auld Lang Syne. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling wistful and moody this Christmas, this is the film for you. A film to watch as the clock strikes midnight. <laughs> yeah, when you're all alone. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it is, the, it, it, they do make it a little bit tricky for you. The mm. Irishman was was quite fated. It's a superficial comparison we're making here just because of the length. The Irishman has that slow progress of history, whereas this is darting back and forth. Perhaps a little bit, you have to be a leaning in sort of film. You have to be leaning yeah. in. I mean, it's the kind of film you really want to see at the cinema. Mm. It's not the kind of film to catch up with later. But mm-hmm. um, I have to say that I found it in many ways easier to follow than The Irishman. <laughs> and I saw The Irishman uh, the first time in a cinema. But you're constantly wondering what the clues are they're going to give you in The Irishman. I think I felt that I should know more about what America looked like in 1952 and 1963 or whatever. Whereas I was just following the faces here because I don't know that much about China in the 80s and so on. There are some wonderful set-piece scenes that you know to do with particular points in time, to do with the announcement of the one-child policy, Mm. to do with um, awards for family planning that are given out at the factory. I mean, there's some pretty jaw-dropping stuff here. I wasn't ever lost, even if I was disoriented, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that's because these emotional threads and also the performances, Mm. these are award-winning performances from the two leads. They they picked up the the silver bears in Berlin for both actor and actress. And yeah, you you see them really grow and change over the years. And those performances are what pull you through. Yeah, exactly. And so when you get to, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but just to see two people having a small conversation, it means so much mm-hmm. because you've really, uh, it feels like you've lived with them longer than three, and, three hours and five minutes. The five minutes are important. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I gave my heart to this film. Yeah, it, it seems to fit in with films we've discussed on this podcast before. Films by Zsa Zsa Nke, mm-hmm. it comes from a very similar background as Wang, the director here. Uh, films that are looking at these uh, very recent uh, Chinese history, how the country has changed, how the people have changed over those years. Mountains might depart, for, for example. I feel like, even though I'm not a Chinese history expert, these are films that are really grappling with recent politics. Hannah, have you learned much from these films or anywhere else we can look? Well, I mean, I think that in England, particularly in English schools, we learn so little history about anywhere other than England. We don't even learn like Scottish and Welsh history mm. or Irish history. So for us to even mm. learn one, one iota about China would be great. I don't know if it's to do with Chinese filmmakers kind of feeling more able to express their opinions about Chinese history and about Chinese government because I feel like there's still a lot of censorship over there. I don't know if it's becoming easier for them to get these films out of China or what, but I do feel like from my kind of limited knowledge of Chinese cinema and Chinese politics and history, we're getting more access to these films. The One Child Nation, the documentary, was like hugely kind of talked about. I have a it's a Netflix film. Right. It's on Netflix, certainly. And obviously that policy, I think, has I mean, doesn't exist anymore. But it was such a kind of... Growing up, it was kind of the only thing that you really knew about mm-hmm. China. It was like, oh, yeah, they can only have one child there. And it's not even, it's not even true. It's actually like... There, there's a lot more to mm. the policy than that, which is which is something that so long my son kind of digs into. It does kind of go into this um, 
the kind of knotty politics of the of the policy. I I must confess that I only managed to watch half of this film because I didn't realise it was three hours when I sat down at 11pm to watch it. But it is one I will definitely be finishing because it is very beautiful. I wish I wasn't watching it on a laptop screen because I do feel like it is so quiet and so nuanced that you do want to just immerse yourself completely in a cinema Mm -hmm. and it is in the same mode as the irishman in this kind of like you know progression of time and grappling with regret but i think the irishman is a lot more showy this is definitely a lot more kind of subtle and Mm -hmm. a lot more restrained which is really a delight to see i think it's something that could uh american and british cinema could maybe learn from yeah i mean i I would say, you know, we all sort of wince when we hear something about a three-hour film, but really, you know, I've seen hour-and-a-half-long films that were much more (laughs) irritating and lengthy to me. Three hours is not that long. It's not that long at all, and I don't think the time should put anyone off. No, not at all, no. I mean, you know, people will sit and watch a Netflix series that's eight episodes, an hour apiece. They'll sit and watch that in two Mm. sittings. So, you know, I think it's... It's an evening. I think, really, if you go to the cinema to see this, you're getting more for your money anyway, so why true. not, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind the quality of the wit. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, I mean, <laughs> it's good anyway. It's, good anyway. It, it's also very good, yes. <laughs> Although, I, with my film dad hat on, I must say, I very rarely have three hours spare of an evening to do anything. <laughs> yeah. And usually, within half an hour, I'm asleep on the sofa, so... <laughs> This is one that I've put a pin in this film. I'm going to go and see it whenever I have maybe an evening off or an afternoon. <laughs> I, think, I think you'll enjoy it. I mean. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. Pamela, what scores would you give this one? Oh, God. Well, for, I will give a different score for every single hour of it that I watch. No, um, <laughs> I heard it was a family melodrama. I heard good things. So it's a four in anticipation. Four, four, four. I don't really understand these rankings. I just think it's a very good film. <laughs> I enjoyed it and I, I'm very glad that I watched it. So it's a four, four, four. Fantastic. That's a very strong recommendation from, from the yeah. table for this. Actually, for both films this week, for Honey Boy and So Long My Son. If you do go and see either of these films, let us know what you think at the usual channels. That is Truth and Movies on Twitter, truthandmovies at tcolondon.com via email or the comments section at lwlies.com slash podcast. Up next, Film Club. Pamela, you'll be very happy. This is a musical. We have The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Back in cinemas, thanks to the BFI as part of their nationwide musical season, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg was described by director Jacques Demy as a film in song. This Palme d'Or winner made a star out of its young lead, Catherine Deneuve, and has since been a major influence on directors such as Damien Chazelle. Let's hear a little snippet. little bit of The Umbrellas of Cherbourg there, according to Damien Chazelle, the greatest film ever made. Hannah, do you agree? How about them umbrellas? Well, I mean, this is the words of a man who has not seen Jack and Jill. Uh, no, no, it is very good. I'd not seen it before. Ironically, I actually bought an umbrella yesterday, a proper umbrella, you know, like a, uh, you know, like a, a big umbrella. Mary like Poppins. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's bright pink and it's very, uh, it's did, very did, umbrellas. Did you fall for the person in the umbrella shop? No, but they were all very beautiful. Uh-huh. It was um, like a pop-up in Covent Garden. It was very picturesque. And, uh, and then I went home to watch this beautiful movie and I was like, oh, 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 oh that was me. Mm-hmm. Uh, except I'm, I'm not Catherine Deneuve oh, uh, gallivanting. <laughs> oh, oh, Pamela. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, obviously I've heard about this film and it's one that, that and the young girls of uh, Rock, 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 I want to call it Rock Falls. <laughs> it's a cheesy film. <laughs> so, um, I've not seen that either, but it's you know I I feel like David Jenkins is always talking about the Jacques Demy musicals, mm-hmm. and I I'm not really a musicals person, so I kind of was like uh, I'll get around to it, but I'm glad I did. It is a musical musical. They sing everything, absolutely everything, yeah. <laughs> absolutely every damn thing. Like put the kettle on, <laughs> <laughs> which I was not expecting. I was very like oh okay, well, well everything's going to be in song then. But it's very hard for me to be cynical because it's so lovely Mm. there's this really um kind of sweeping recurring motif i guess and they use it right at the end and i I shed a little tear it's it is one of the most beautiful heartbreaking endings in well not even heartbreaking it's just very melancholy Mm. and i feel like i've definitely seen it riffed on since Mm. that the shot of them in the gas station at the end it's it's a really it lives up to the hype what can i say you know (laughs) i I did immediately have flashbacks to tommy another film we recently did a film club where there's (laughs) i think only one word of dialogue in the entire film and it's all sung through but thankfully they can sing in this film and the music is wonderful so uh, wow a dig at my parents there nice uh yeah (laughs) pamela as the musicals expert here could you please set us up what this film is doing differently what is excelling at because we had you on last for a Star is Born, a very Hollywood musical. And this is very different. This is connected to the Hollywood musical. I mean, actually, 
oh god oh michael i remember where and when i first watched this film you know i really did think life would not be the same again and i didn't watch it because it was a musical i was watching it because i was a 17 year old budding cinephile and i was interested in the french new wave and i'd <laughs> learned that the best films were black and white and edgy and complicated and violent and so i went in to see les parapluies de cherbourg mm-hmm. and i thought wow films can actually be wonderful now <laughs> no, i love all those french new wave films this knocked me for six at 17 i found the aesthetic of this film which is sort of borrowed from the beauty of that kind of MGM musical but it's completely Demi's own thing this uh, the sugar pink the pastels the fact that people's clothes match the wallpaper something that I appreciate so much the what I would like to call prettiness of this mm. film I'm quite obsessed with pretty cinema it's something I'd like to bring back um <laughs> set against the heartbreaking narrative and it's about a young girl who falls in love with a young man who's a mechanic just like Jacques Demy's family were very handsome very handsome incredibly handsome young actor and they swear that they will be true to each other and their love will last forever and then he gets drafted to go and fight in the war um then life happens and this is the thing that I remember when I was 17 and I watched this film I thought what a beautiful film but I'm so confused because when you're 17, you don't understand that true love doesn't always last forever. And uh, it's wonderful to watch it now at the age of, you know, 21. And I'm, <laughs> how rude of you to laugh. Uh, to, to watch it again and, and see, you know, it's like a little bit more maturity, how the film works on that level mm. emotionally. It's so full of truth, uh, despite this. What will distract people is the aesthetic. Michelle Legrand's beautiful music and those pink and green colours, the costumes and... Catherine Deneuve's face framed by a little ribbon. <laughs> yeah, it feels very hyper-stylized, but okay. when you get to the heart of it, it is a very, like, true-to-life story, you know. Um, life is disappointing. Life, is, life is disappointing, and things don't work out the way you want them to. Uh, <laughs> before we came on air, I, I sort of said, uh, imagine dumping Catherine Deneuve, and Pamela chimed in with, Oh, well, there was a war, babe. <laughs> Which is, yeah, fair enough. Like, you know, I think it's, it's, and I think this is where this movie succeeds in uh, La La Land, which basically steals from this film shamelessly and doesn't do it quite as well. Where this kind of succeeds is that it's all very matter of fact. And even though it is in song and it's, you know, it's all very like, oh, it doesn't actually feel like, it doesn't, weirdly, it doesn't feel melodramatic, even though mm. it is melodramatic. They all accept that, life isn't perfect and you know there's one scene early on I think when um, Genevieve is like if you leave I will die <laughs> and that's it that's kind of it though after that it's like oh well, but the, the, the difficulty is that you don't die that's what's so hard about <laughs> yeah, life yeah yeah you do you do you, you survive and your mother says you should marry this nice man who's come along and is offering to raise your unborn child as his own and you're like oh right I mean I spoiled <laughs> quite a lot there but, but, but if it, I'm sorry, but it's, I, 1964. it's a 1964 movie. If you've not seen it by now, like you deserve to be spoiled. But you should also go and watch it. I mean, to be fair, I don't think that knowing the ending ruins it. There's something, no, watching no. it a second time, you know, there's something wonderful about the anticipation, knowing that your heart is going to break, and in such a beautiful way, knowing that love is fragile, just like the music. Oh, God, this the film is like so a held musical. breath. That's why it's so wonderful that it's sung, because you are completely in its, you know, in its claws for an hour and a half. And when it lets you go, uh, you're not the same again. And because it's sung completely through, songs appear out of the, mm. the musical landscape. It's not a jukebox musical in no. the way that it's we, not we a might expect. Land, where exactly, where there yeah, are, but there are still, we heard a little clip of one of mm, them, one of the mm. great 
big bangers of the soundtrack. <laughs> Can't believe you said banger. Even at the grand age of 21, that makes me feel old. <laughs> so we would recommend this one. Um, yeah. Demoiselles de Rochefort, also worth yeah, looking at. Very much so. At. All this plus Gene Kelly. Oh, wow. <laughs> Gene Kelly's in that say. film. Yeah, I'm showing my ignorance. I, I will go and watch that now, having seen this. It is like a, even if you don't like musicals, you should watch this just because it's a part of film history as well, I think. And I think that the BFI have used this in their marketing. I think Sam Wigley, one of their writers, wrote this in a piece earlier in the year. You can see that this film had at least a visual inspiration and influence on Wes Anderson and Mm. the the other chocolate box filmmakers outside of the musical. The actual, the umbrella shop itself in the film, um, which is, I don't know if we mentioned, but that's the shop that Genevieve's parents own Mm. or mother, I guess. Mother, yeah. It's... I can't believe they make any money. I was like, <laughs> they have about four umbrellas in there. Uh, but it's very beautiful. I was like, oh, I'd love to go to this shop. It's all kind of pink and like checkerboard and lovely umbrellas. And it's, yeah, I, I want to live in this world. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose the love of my life to a war and then another woman, but I do want to live in the kind of beautiful, pastel, dreamy landscape that they create. I want to find you a nice rich man to take, <laughs> take care of you and make that heartbreak all the better. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I'm so like, oh, it must have been tough for her. She marries a very handsome man and she, when we meet the two leads again, they seem very happy with their, with their lot in life. I think it also like, it's this kind of message that life does go on. Like, mm. you know, you, you, it doesn't hurt forever. You know, you need to hear that sometimes. Yeah, and it's interesting that we're looking at this film the same week, just something like So Long, My Son, mm-hmm. where there is a similar just sense that the passing of time and Honey Boy n- need yeah. need not be as the, as melodramatic as we're told in some other films. It, yeah. it can just be life. I yeah. think that all three films this week are very good at dealing with parent-child relationships as well. Hmm. So obviously, hmm. like the relationship between um, Genevieve and her mother is very. Mm. contentious it becomes less so I think as the film goes on I think that as Genevieve kind of grows up she understands a bit more even though like they have I think a couple of scenes together her and her mother I mean I'm probably like projecting onto it but I I think the one where she says she's pregnant and her mother says how did that happen I mean that's a great scene (laughs) (laughs) I think it's been a nice through line this week all these films deal it feels like we've been doing sort of parent-child films and relationship movies for the last three or four weeks with Marriage Story, with The Irishman. <laughs> what is it with Christmas? So yeah. We're all just kind of like, oh, I'm so sad. Although we, we don't have that next week. <laughs> no, next week's, no, very different. <laughs> next week's films, we have Jumanji, The Next Level. It's back to blockbuster season <laughs> yeah. as uh, Christmas looms. We have Aquarella, a very unique documentary. And then for Film Club, Tis the Season, so we're going to watch Black Christmas from 1974. Oh, fun. Any uh... Black Christmas is it shows you everything you need to know about Christmas movies. Yeah, <laughs> they're dark as hell. Yes. Oh, anyway, let us know what you think about Black Christmas or any of the films we talked about this week at the usual channels. Truth and Movies on Twitter, Truth and Movies at tcolondon.com via email or at the comments section at lwlies.com. Pamela, Hannah, a pleasure as always. Thank you for joining me. I'm Michael Leader, and as always, this has been a Seven Digital Production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.